I I hail men. I love men. I I hail men. I hail men. I 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 I I there's a bewildering array of alternatives, right? Uh, it's 2018 uh-huh. to men. It's not just women that are an alternative to men. Okay. okay. But thinking, you know, just grouping. Lar- it's lar- and, you know, just in a kind of generic, general way. I feel like the reason that a woman likes men... <laughs> or a trans woman maybe in particular likes men, is not necessarily because men are li- that likable, that they have qualities that are likable, um, but just that they bring out qualities that you like about yourself, and that by, by being, by just by virtue of being different from you in that, in that uh, you know, kind of crucial respect. So... If you think of it, again, the bewildering array, the spectrum that is available, I feel like one of the things that I, I'm not a strict, I'm a very uh, undisciplined heterosexual, or you could think of my, me as a very undisciplined homosexual. I, I haven't quite figured out all the answer. I haven't quite figured out the answer uh-huh. to give people when they ask. I think like Ray Blanchard would have the answer, but... It, well, you don't have to decide in that sense. Yes, I mean Ray. Ray is a friend. <laughs> Ray and I worked together for many years, and then I immigrated to the United States to vote, vote for Donald Trumps, <laughs> and uh, so everything is working out for me and for Ray. Actually, Ray though, he's ill. He's ill. He's very ill. Yeah, he's really cool. He's I got, love him. He's very. He's <laughs> he's got. He's, he's just, sick. He's he's he super just cool. He never took care of. He just never took care of his, like, STI situation. (laughs) And it slowly drove him mad. No, the point is, Heron, Mm -hmm. that, um, right, there's a bewildering array, okay? Yeah. The difference... Now, uh, well, I'm going to let you talk. It's your podcast. But I'm answering your question, (laughs) which you posed to me. Please continue. Heterosexuality is, is... the most, it's the furthest you can get away from the other partner in, on the gender spectrum. That's why it's appealing to me. That's why my, that's in, for me, there are, I can, I can dally, I can even fall in love and always do with uh, women, okay? But if I really need to feel a very potent sense of my own womanhood, then I always want to pick somebody who is as fucking far away as fucking possible. Because the closer they get to me, the less I believe them. <laughs> the less I believe any affirming, gender-affirming thing they say or do. Oh, did you read that? Did you take a sex class at Callan Lord? Or, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like, did you read that that's what you're supposed to do to make me feel good? I yeah. don't want a social worker. I yeah. want... Somebody from a distant galaxy. Okay? No, when, a per- when a non-binary person asks me what my pronouns are, I just like want to fucking die. So I want to set myself on yeah. fire. There was I just did an so event. Like, I I think my gender is um uh, my preferred pronouns are like I have a ba- I have bangs and a ponytail and tits. So That's, intuitive. Don't ask trans women their pronouns. Don't ask trans women their. It's not. Do you know it? It's like. I, I, I've said, I've, I've, this, okay, don't ask trans women their pronouns. 
It's so insulting because if you get sirred, if I get sirred by like somebody at like fucking J.C. Penny or whatever, I go, oh, is you know cultural illiterate Trump voter pig, and then I feel self righteous and like, and then I'm like, how could anyone make such a mistake? You know, when I obviously have fulsome breasts and beautiful, I'm just exuding, <laughs> just. Whatever, pheromones. The point is... Like how incorrect they are versus like... Well, yeah. Whereas if a fucking... And you go, oh, ignorant pig. You know, white. It's like just a fucking trash person. And then... But if somebody goes, what's your pronoun? Okay? To a trans woman. Mm -hmm. It means that they're of good moral standing. They know about it. They know about this whole transgender thing. And that they have taken it upon themselves to, to like, be good about it. And they still can't fucking figure out what you're going for. Yeah. The nicest, most well-intentioned, politically good people are the ones that ask trans women what their, pro- what their pronouns are and then destroy us. <laughs> like, destroy Versus, us. Like, the truly... I just it out on a forum one time for, for Brooklyn Academy of Music. It's oh. Bam, and then it hits you. The self-esteem loss. Um, <laughs> I've been waiting six years to reference that Subway poster. That's, <laughs> that's a long six years, but yeah. you finally found the right context. Yeah, no, but versus, like, like say, the dudes you were talking about, are, I, I often find them to be, like morally reprehensible people sometimes yes. for people who whose whose professions and passions and yeah. creative ambitions in the world yes. um, feel morally bankrupt to me but they are more affirming than any of those people and those are like not the reasons that you like them yeah. that's not the why no no that no they're good but it's like they they impose the because you said something to me like a year or more ago that I always think about which was like they are more convinced of my womanhood than I'll ever be because they have to be in order to not interrogate their desire for you. That is so well said. I have no memory of it. I can never <laughs> summon that. I could never summon that level of eloquence now these days. Um, but it sounds very true. I'm very proud of myself <laughs> for saying that. Well, because um, male, male sexuality, straight male sexuality in particular kind of, um, I guess what I would say is like, well, yeah, sure, is is uh, notoriously like involuntary. Is like not subject to morality or you know n- social norms, politeness, any of these kind of things. So if somebody um, uh, if somebody involuntarily finds you sexually attractive enough to bone quite frankly and um uh and is for all intents and purposes a heterosexual well that's quite great that's great that's the only way you can know that they're not actually just like kind of uh, placating you and um and i love that you know what i mean i don't but like i don't uh to me men are like for in terms of sexuality, they're just for sex. They're for sex. The men, men, men are. I don't love them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's why in my r- romantic life, I mean, I feel like very. I feel like a homosexual in the sense that like the people that have been like the great loves of my life have all been trans women. It's like, 
And in that respect, there is, like, a lot of comfort in... No, kind of having familiarity with each other's experiences. There's a kind of sameness there mm-hmm. um, that's really rewarding and really lovely. But, like, that is, that's just, like, one layer of, of, uh, of sexuality. In other, in other respects, these people have all been quite different to me. And it's their difference from me that makes them so attractive. And I just feel like that is actually true all up and down the long list of qualities that make up a potential romantic partner or sexual partner. I don't know. Is that crazy? I just, um, I don't know. The more, the more I try and think about those kind of things, it doesn't make any sense. I think that I, I think I like, um, I think I like in general difference. Um, but I can't, I can't declare myself like a kind of, I can't declare myself a heterosexual, a heterosexual, because I'm so compromised <laughs> by being surrounded by by similarities with the people that I've, you know, ended up falling in love with. Right now, you're in, or you're about to be in a production that goes up this weekend of Marie and Bruce. Yes, as one of the title characters, Marie. Marie. And how? Marie do you think, or what? Bruce? <laughs> Marie slash Bruce. I did get Marie, there, Bruce, I did get Bruce, a casting Marie. call. Somebody asked me to to go to audition for. Um, one of two uh, gender non-conforming characters, one of which was femme and one of which was mask. I was like, oh, that's right up my alley. Oh my God, such variety as an actor that I'm capable of that people would call me in to play the, ma- the male, the, like the trans mask. That's really cute. Anyway, that's not this production. Uh, I'm playing Marie, in the woman. Yeah, what's like uh, Marie's relationship with the men or man in her life? Okay, so the, this is... Marie and Bruce are married. The amount of time that they've been married is indeterminate. The circumstances of their coming together is not explored. It's not a play about those kind of circumstances. Um, it has very little kind of plot to speak of. What it does have is a lot of potently kind of rendered essential experiences of, of, of cohabiting, being sharing being too close, possibly sharing just a little bit too much of your life with another person and um, the kind of, not just friction, I feel like friction is a very generic kind of uh, therapeutic word, but like actual poison and kind of nauseating uh, contamination of your own self and your own independence that can come from just actually just being near someone um, for that long. So the... um, there's a, there's a lot of things in the play that are just that uh, relate to just kind of the emotional differences um, between the way that Marie, the female character, experiences life versus the way that her husband um, experiences life and represents their experience. Marie is like in crisis, uh, although the crisis could be very low stakes. I have no idea. Let me get you. Do you want this chair, honey? Oh, sure. Yeah. Chair is holding. I don't know. Chair doesn't work. This is the chair. Oh yeah, that is a chair. Sit down. Um, so, so uh, she's in crisis. She's in crisis. It doesn't even make. It's not. It's not even clear. It's. It's actually kind of manifestly like unjustified. The thing that happened was that 
uh, uh, she threw out her husband's beloved uh, old typewriter that he works on all the time. They don't have jobs. He's some sort of a writer. He's some sort of an academic. She never talks to him about ideas or any of these kind of things. And I feel like, to me, it's like a situation where I think she feels a little bit intellectually outclassed by her husband and her husband's company. They go to a party in the middle of the play, and it forms this kind of weird, dreamlike, surreal, kind of a nauseating middle chunk of the play where he's surrounded by people who are all ideas people that are all talking about very vehemently about various things in the world and culture and art and all of that kind of stuff. And she just kind of sits alone on a couch and kind of has a shutdown. She gets, like, very sick. She, like, gets nauseous. Um, she, like, suddenly finds her husband incredibly attractive, even though that morning, like, as she wakes up, she's like, I fucking hate your guts. You're a disgusting, cock-sucking turd. You're, like, a piece of shit. You're a filthy piece of shit to me. And, like, you know, and, like, can you fucking get me some breakfast, you fucking miserable shit? And, like, um, and so she's obviously processing something externally, which is, I find very relatable. I don't, I wouldn't call that necessarily, like, a more feminine attribute. I know many, many women. I've dated several who process things internally. Um, but the, but in Marie's experience corresponds to my own in that regard. Whereas her husband is much more opaque. His wife threw out his beloved possession. Who knows if it was justified or not, or why she did it. They didn't really have a conversation about it. He just kind of came upstairs crying, put his head on her chest, and cried, um, uh, and then went to bed and kind of fell asleep. And then her next thought is, uh, I have to leave you. I kind of have to leave you. And, and in my experience, kind of my own life experience, one of the things that she finds so disgusting about her husband is actually how kind and kind of solicitous he is mm-hmm. in terms of, he doesn't come in. He doesn't strike her. He doesn't yell at her. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't demand that she account for this bizarre thing that she did. He just cries, and then he goes to bed. And then in the morning, he's like, "Can I get you anything? Can I make you breakfast? Would you, would you like some coffee?" Um, and those are obviously just two different ways of processing the same event. But I think that the way that I think that Marie's disappointment in her husband is tied up in certain uh, gendered expectations of like, are you are you even a man? Like, are you even a man? Are you even a real man? Like, where's your anger? Like, please fight with me. And um, so, I think she spends a lot of the play just trying to get her husband to just like fight with fight with her or like yell at her for doing something like stupid and irrational. Now this this is like a this is like a situation that fits completely fine on a on a cis relationship between a cis man and a cis women. We all know that there are tropes of of cis women wanting their husbands to be more masculine, or, and you know what I mean, or of like the nice guy, the kind of like nebbish, you know, like um, uh, what I find is that. This weird experience of um, being, be, feeling affirmed, sort of in terms of being, in, in terms of gendering, but uh, 
But in other ways, as well, kind of a weird sense of being affirmed in terms of your status uh, that is associated with gender. Um, I find myself sometimes longing for, like, just, like, a a strong hand, like like a strong, thoughtless, careless hand, like somebody who is just, like, kind of an anvil. And then, um, and then I get to like sprawl across it, or just you know, um, be kind of uncontained, an uncontained, irrational, hysterical mess. And I know that, that these are all very uh, weird things to associate with like female identity. It's just something that I experience in a kind of a dark way in my relationships with men, and. That in the course over the course of rehearsing and conceiving and thinking about this production, it's something that has really, when you bring it to bear, it really cascades out, kind of ripples out into the entire structure of the play, which really ends up supporting it. Which, um, just so people listening know, wasn't originally written with Marie as a trans character, but is con- like conceived of in this production as a trans character. Yes, so the th- we there I feel like there is like specific a few... changes to it or is it more just in like how you all No, there's that? no changes to the language. The 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 weird thing, you know, I'm I'm like a visibly trans uh, person. I'm very clockable. If I were less visibly trans, there is the possibility for example of doing a production where I just uh, on the result of as, as a result of my stubborn insistence that I play this part, that, that I get, um, that we get the ball rolling, and then we never think about it ever again. And we play it just like, I'm a cis man's cis wife. Um, that's not really an option here. So what we have actually is, to what we have to do is actually trace it out and think, okay, if she's a trans woman, what does it mean? How did the other people think of her at this party? How did they get married? Under what circumstances did they get married? Yeah. And it's not necessarily that we go, go all the way into it, but it's just, it's that backstory and all that kind of stuff can be a very vain and kind of, um, uh, what's the word, self-indulgent exercise. The thing that about this, trying to apply a strong reading, a strong interpretation in this way, and then seeing how it bears out and seeing how it ends up starting to connect everything on a like weird skeletal level has been really exciting. And I think it's really actually a testament to the fact that the on the one hand that the play says something very true about relationships between men and women and about masculinity and about femininity. Um, but on the other hand, that that the experience of trans femininity, of trans womanhood, is is not seriously materially different in any way from a general experience of womanhood abstracted as it might be in any of these plays or any of these representations of, of, of women that there's not some sort of strong unconquerable unbridgeable divide that would that would prohibit any trans woman from finding uh, her own experience in a character that was not necessarily written for somebody of her life circumstance. And uh, I find that more exciting as a... I find that more exciting as, like, somebody who's operating as an actress at this moment. Uh, That's not my chosen line of work. 
than a, than a part that has been written in a kind of possibly biased this person or even biased a trans person with an eye toward explaining some sort of you know having some wonderful moral at the end where everybody realizes that trans people are you know that trans women are women and like we should we should have treated her nicer you know what I mean I can't even imagine what that play would be but so because what we have now in addition to all of those things which I think that it do, I think the interpretation does hold up. Um, but then what we also have is like literally on stage is a trans woman who looks like a trans woman, doesn't look like a cis woman, in a set of circumstances that are very kind of fraught, who never makes mention and nobody ever nobody else ever makes mention of the fact that she's trans. So you're creating a kind of what you're dramatizing there is a weird censoriousness that you almost that I almost never get to experience in my life in a in in such a blatant way but there are certainly moments as a trans woman and where you feel that you it's certainly not get allowed for you to make mention of that and other people are not ma- mentioning it either and that all of that drama surrounding transness is all happening Non-verbally, it's all happening kind of in, in, it's all happening in the territory of where things are implied or projected or assumed. Mm-hmm. Which is where, in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is where I actually feel like that's where a lot of the psychic trauma of like being trans in the world comes from. There, there are, there are a lot of instances of overt hostility but there are a lot of other instances where you absolutely can't be sure if somebody hates you or if they hate you if they do because you're trans or because you did something wrong you know uh, you can you can never really find any sort of certainty and people are very non-verbal actually or like when people are being nice to you mm-hmm. what's actually happening behind that because it's really tempting to take it at face value but you just aren't there when you're not in the room. Yes. Well, you you because, don't know their inner thoughts while they're smiling at you. Yeah, and you're not in the room because you're somewhere imagining what their inner thoughts might be and trying to trying to spin it out in your head a thousand different ways uh, to to see you know if they're if they if they hate you or not because that's useful information as a trans person. And the thing is that like because it, this is a very this is like because of the way that I look, I think, that what it creates on stage is a stage picture of that moment where we don't really have to do very much. It's not like I have to walk around being like, and I'm a trans Marie. And like, you know what I mean? Like fucking a bunch of little masks with uh, trans mask with like walking sticks come out and do a fucking number like kicking kicking that um <laughs> like uh we don't fucking have to do that because of the because I look trans but at the same time nobody ever says anything about it so I actually feel like it's a really unique experience um oh, I I and I really am dying to know if trans women see who see it, and I want trans people to see it, and if trans women are having trouble getting tickets for any reason, they should reach out to me immediately. 
um, and we'll, every, we'll get everybody in. Um, uh, uh, not and not just out of good community spirit, but literally out of having a really earnest curiosity about what people will think or if they'll see anything relatable in it at all or if it will simply, you know, it's just a kind of vain indulgence. I have no idea at this point. It is very short, though. It's only an hour. I love so that. Even if it's not good, it'll be over oh before you even know it. One thing I was just wondering about, so I have not, I've never read the play or mm-hmm. seen um, a production of it or seen the Julianne Moore adaptation. Oh, yeah, the movie. Um, so... I came into this very unprepared, but, um, so I don't know how it ends. Well, it's not even supposed to be about, about the play here, and it's but supposed to be about why you like men. <laughs> I'm actually pivoting to, this is for my new podcast <laughs> called Why I Love the Theater. <laughs> but it's like, it's like a backdoor pilot. to answer. It's like a backdoor pilot. <laughs> um, but, so my question is, though, like, why do you think that Marie doesn't leave Bruce? She sounds fucking miserable. It sounds like she hates him. Well, and that is, that's one of the weird questions that we've had to, it's, it's not, it's not clear at all in, in your, it's not, you're not pointed to it um, by the script, but what I think, I think what we've figured out is that it's very difficult actually to receive love or to be loved, and it's very difficult to be forgiven before before being punished for your wrongdoing. Like, in this weird way, she all we know is that she has this weird... Now, I have my own thoughts about it, my own stories about it. I can imagine very easily destroying someone's prized possession and then discarding it. Um, and then wanting to be punished for it. Uh... Uh, but having done that, having kind of behaved in a wrathful way, <laughs> I think, and then to be forgiven instantly without any sort of expiation or struggle, you're, it's, te- it's, 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 it's nauseating. And in a weird way, I think to actually, like, receive, like, uncritical, unconditional love from a romantic partner can actually be nauseating. Um, I don't know. Do you find that relatable? They, yeah, if you're, if it seems in contention with your own, like, idea of self, it seems, like, fraudulent and almost like you're um, being patronized by this person. Sure. Yeah. And it can be, it can also be... It can also, you know, one one of the two, the two qualities of my life that we've kind of brought to bear in this production, hopefully, is that it's the this trans my experience as a trans woman, and I've said this before, like I don't really know how to be a woman in the world, but I know how to be a Greek woman. I'm like so that I'm like only half Greek, but I have a lot. I, it's the dominant set of genes I think in my family, and in or in, in me at least, and. It's a type of womanhood that I feel more able to conjure and embody than than any other, and so I know, for example, not just of Greek women but of Greek people that it's like fighting as a virtue, like fighting is like 
like yelling and fighting and screaming and cursing and all that kind of stuff is like it's like fun it's delicious it's delightful and uh, there's a feeling that the victory should come as a result of struggle um, and not just out of just goodwill like neighborly goodwill which feels very kind of waspy very like Nelson the, is that the Simpsons Nelson? person who's the Flanders, Flanders. Yeah. sorry Nelson I don't He's know anything bully. oh okay fuck well I don't know cartoons okay I watched <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, the, I think that I think that the 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 other part of my experience that is coming in here too is just like, come on, like, don't you want to fight? Like, doesn't it feel good? Like, can't we just yell at each other? Like, think of how like, think of how good a bloodletting would feel, or like just a fucking screaming, like terror, like throwing the lamp across the room sort of fight, and then imagine how much we could reconcile. It's not a very healthy way of processing emotions. Um, it's not a very healthy way of processing emotions. But I think that, um, I think the character, at least the way that we've interpreted it, is, um, actually can't move forward until something like that happens. And actually, the climax of the play, I mean, not to give everything away, is just literally her burning out every last insult that she can possibly conjure. Um, until she is literally like out of language, and um, and like that kind of allows for the reset of the relationship, um, which is very inconclusive. I mean, I don't mean to get, I don't want to give anything away, but they do go back home together after having a very weird day. He goes to sleep, she goes to sleep, and that's the end of the play. Like their relationship up to that climax, she's craving is like basically she's edging. Well, kind of, yeah. She's like against her will. Yeah, yeah. There, because there are a million different opportunities for climax. Like starting from right away, like she, she's screaming at him in his sleep. He opens his eyes, and he goes, "Is it time to wake up?" Uh, and she's like, "No, just go. Please go back to sleep." You know, it's the fucking. It's the middle of the night, and the, which is an abandoned opportunity to have the conversation. And they keep repeatedly abandoning that opportunity uh, every time it, it seems like it could actually happen. She does. Uh, and I think he does as well. So, I don't know. Um, I don't want to get lost talking about this play that uh, nobody's ever seen or heard of, but it's like the... Um, something about that, you know, something about that is just strikes me as being incredibly... Uh, true and and necessary, like uh, like a necessary th- narrative to take part in for me, and uh, I like actually having bullied kind of my way into getting to do it for that reason for getting the, a chance to kind of interpret and embody and like work through that kind of a situation in the same way this that a cis actress would. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that that's been, that's been like the greatest part of the, the you're, process. You're given your chance to climax. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm given my, but I'm also given my chance to edge and, <laughs> and to do, to do, and to be incredibly petty, just to, to be incredibly petty and vulgar and mean 
and a baby, a, a fucking emotional baby, and um, immature, and all these kind of things that I feel like trans characters and trans people are not really allowed to do, be. I don't, you know, because um, there's such an imperative, and there, there's such an imperative if we're telling, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know, the second it's almost, it doesn't matter who the actual person creating the character is, um, and I wouldn't say this is, like, true across the board. I think there are, like, like writers like Tori Peters where they're just, like, trans characters who aren't written with, like, likability or sympathy yeah. in mind. Like, if you're cis, then maybe you, like, really want to be a good ally or you just don't give a fuck and you want to throw trans people under the bus for plot development. Or if you're yeah. trans, you suddenly have this burden of, like, auto-representation that just, totally. like, kills the quality of the work so much because you're so concerned about like making the story you would have wanted as a child and nostalgia I feel is is a road to to a dead end I do yeah and I it's like I just the the wish to represent kind of nice things and nice feelings and nice people is like it's obviously it's obviously like counterproductive that I think that the reason that people like not to sound like super lame about it but like the reason that people would like if want to gather around and watch somebody act something kind of fake is to work through all of this muck, you know, this kind of stuff that is like impure and kind of gross emotionally and certainly not politically necessarily conforming to any sort of right path. I think that, um, I actually think that this is like um, something that trans writers like like, I mean, you know, have been able to do because they have the sovereignty over their text. They still have to deal with their community and people who don't like, people in the community who don't like the fucking way that they're representing trans people and all that kind of blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, you write your book, that's your book. And you write whatever part of trans experience you want into that book. And it in, in the, the necessary conclusion of like saying that trans people are people, trans women are women, trans men are men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is like men, women, and people in general are fucked, are, are fucked. You know what I mean? Sitting on untold mountains of toxicity and weirdness, especially in relation to each other. And, um, and trans people as people are no different in that respect. And, require the same sort of sort muck muck sorting muck muck whatever muck digging sorry i'm losing i'm losing my train of thought but like uh and so i don't know i really relish it i mean i'm this is this is and i would say this as well i think that working in the theater this is a 46 seat theater um, we, I, I hope that m- very many people will be able to see it, but like it, that number is capped by necessity. And um, what I think the freedom that that affords us is that it's it does not need to be a def- it doesn't it does not need to be a definitive representation of trans life for all posterity. Um, it can just be this exploration of this one set of circumstances with this kind of speculative interpretation, like, what if this character is trans, etc. So, um, uh, 
I I don't know. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be. I wish I could see it. I, yeah, wish, I, when, I wish I could see it because I, I don't know what it's going to actually be like to watch. But Oh, okay. Um, when, for, for everyone who isn't you, when and where can people see it? Uh, it's it's running here at Jack of Brooklyn where we've been talking. Uh, 505 and a half Waverly Avenue in Brooklyn. Um, July 12th through the 28th. We have a total of 12 shows in that period. Um... It's kind of like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the next week. Cool. Anywhere else where people can find you or your work online? Oh, yeah. I guess Twitter. Theta Hamill. Theta Hamill. That's easy. Oh, you can also go to my fucking Bandcamp, which I, Bandcamp, which I have to change the name of, which is majortranceleb.bandcamp.com. I have to change that because people keep... Not, uh, they keep saying it in the wrong tone of voice when they're introducing me. At Wait, what's the wrong one? What's the right one? People go, and then she, she's gonna, she's a major trans celeb, get ready for the major, for an audience of people who have no idea who I am. It's like uh-huh. mortifying. Uh-huh. It's like a joke. <laughs> it's like an alternative to declaring an actual line yeah. of expertise. You know what I mean? No, I remember when I interviewed you for Bandcamp last year, um, I think for the Very Good EP, I want to say. Uh, uh, or no. Sondham. Sondham, Sondham. Um, yeah, I remember you said it was something like, like, if you say you're a singer-songwriter, people think you're like doing something that you're not. But if you say you're an electronic musician, they think you're doing something else you're not. So mm-hmm. you're just like avoiding misidentification entirely by yeah. going with like, self-identified major trans celeb or whatever. a major trans celeb. Yeah, it's just a major trans celeb. Nobody asks what you do. Yeah. That's, nobody asks, you say major trans celeb, they go, oh. You say you're a musician, they're like, what kind of music? And then you're, and then it's over. It's over. There's no getting out. Okay, thank you, Heron. <laughs> Later. <laughs>